Some say it's the new barley. <laughs> Some of us say it's better than that. We're talking about an island of tropical beaches, mist-wrapped hill stations and 2,000-year-old temples. A place where processions of dancers stop the traffic and where leopards prowl through the long grass in the national park. Above all, it's a land with a kaleidoscopic variety of spice-fueled dishes, from curries to fresh-from-the-sea fish and sensational street food. We are talking, of course, about Sri Lanka, and today we are going to explore it in the company of someone who has Sri Lanka in his soul. Hi, I'm Uta Yonka, and I'd like to welcome you to I Know This Place, a podcast that's all about the world's most fascinating destinations, seen through the eyes of the people who know them best. And there are few people who know Sri Lanka better than Peter Kuravita. He's a chef, a restaurateur, TV presenter, and a passionate advocate of all things Sri Lanka. Peter, thanks for being here. A pleasure, Uta. It's an absolute pleasure. And that uh, Sri Lanka runs through my blood as well, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely. So yeah. you weren't actually born there, but you went back there as a child. Yeah. Can you tell me about some of your earliest memories? I think, um, I mean, the, the journey there was long enough um, and, and exciting enough, but that's another story. <laughs> Arriving there, I guess my first sense of arrival was that I thought my father had drowned because um, we had to get our van from the tip of India to the tip of Sri Lanka. Sorry, and, uh, your family went in a van. We went in a van from London to Colombo. <laughs> so when we got to the very end and we thought we were there and you could pretty much see 22 kilometres away the edge of Sri Lanka. Yeah. Um, the wharf had been washed away in a cyclone. <laughs> and so we're stuck there and everybody said to my dad, drive back to Mumbai, get on a ferry. And Mumbai is at the top of the country. It was a pretty hard and horrible journey there, according to them. And so he said no. And the lagoon that it was in was very tidal. So what he did, he, using all his ingenuity, he waited till the um, low tide came. And while the high tide was there, he got two outrigger canoes that tie themselves together. And then on what was left of the wharf, he drove the van off the broken wharf onto the outriggers at low tide and then waited till the tide floated the boats, <laughs> which then they paddled to the, to the um, ferry. And I remember thinking, and I remember this clearly thinking that my dad was still in the ferry because as they put this you know, harness like an elephant to lift the, the vehicle onto the ferry, it slipped and nearly fell into the water. And I was so scared and thought my dad was gone. <laughs> but of course, he turned up behind me and gave me a cuddle and you know, that was it. How old were you at the time? Four and a half to five. Oh, wow. And then um, arriving in Sri Lanka was amazing. To me, it was, um, I, I still think back at it and I can't remember a bad day um, in the 12 years that we were there. It was walking into a house, a primitive house, but a big house with 22 of your blood relatives in it. Um, it was, that was divided amongst three houses in a large, ancient compound with two two wells um, aunties uncles cousins everywhere and you just welcomed into this amazing house so those the memories are still today when i hear a hurricane lantern being pumped and the of the light that reminds me of those first days because there were rolling electricity strikes electricity was non-existent virtually so every night you'd have to prime the the lamp and fire it up and, and then the smell of wood because the kitchen was all wood fired. And so those two are probably the, the strongest memories, the first memories. And also my grandfather sitting in his chair called a Hansi Putuan. Uh, uh, it's a, um, 
a planter's chair where this it's like a like a lounge with a, a woven mesh and you, you had these two sidebars where you could slip it, put your legs on it and so he'd have his legs there and they'd just drop me into his sarong and that's where I'd hang while everyone else was talking so it was my, my little my little <laughs> cot that I could hear that what was going on and everything was in singular my mother obviously didn't speak singular at the time so your mum's not Sri Lankan, she's, she's Austrian. Austrian, yeah. So she she learnt the language and still probably speaks it better than I do now. Um, but we all learnt to speak singular very quickly. And, you know, that whole... I can't remember swap, swipping, uh, swapping languages between German and English and, and singular and occasionally Tamil with the butcher's boy down the road. <laughs> but everything I remember about that was just warm and you know, all-encompassing. It was like having a big set of arms around you all the time. You were passed from auntie to auntie, uncle to uncle. I'd run between the houses. There were bars, but I could fit through them. <laughs> so I could slip between like a little monkey and you'd get to one auntie's house and she'd have a sweet banana for you. Or you'd get to another auntie's house and she'd have a little sweet for you. So incredible memories, you know. And what about the food? Who was doing the cooking in that setup? Um, well, in my, in the, in the, old house which still stands it's 265 years old my auntie still lives there it was my grandmother and her two daughters so one of this uh, these ladies is my auntie and she was born 20 years later than everyone else and so that's why she's still alive because otherwise everyone on that on that um, generation is now gone um, but they cooked and my grandmother I called her the Gordon Ramsay she was pretty tough <laughs> she, she ruled with a spoon and she, she, she got to finish everything, but her, and there was a couple of ladies who helped um, in my auntie, other auntie's room sh uh, house. She cooked as well, but most of the time, all the meals were prepared in the big house. And the two aunties and my grandmother were there together. And they're, they're the food memories, and the food just poured out of there, just poured out regularly. And uh, food is such a huge part of Sri Lankan li life, right? And it's, when you sit down to a Sri Lankan meal, there's, often a generosity about the amount of food yes. and, and the things you can eat. Yes. So let's start actually with uh, with talking a little bit about what, what's Sri Lankan food like? It's People might go, oh, it's near India, it's like Indian, but yeah. it's actually quite different. Well, I, I, I'd like to say right now that Sri Lankan food has finally come out of the umbrella of Indian food. I think I think we can say that with very much with great confidence because um, I think it has been the number one trending food trend in the world this year. So um, very proudly happy that finally it's made it now what is it it's it's a it's a, a balance between ayurveda vegetarianism and and being an omnivore um, i would say the style of eating um, meat and fish is expensive and you know not always accessible so they they were small they were served in small amounts um, maybe one piece per person but then this incredible palette of vegetables everything you can think of in fruit and vegetables can be cooked and curried or made into sambals or salads or malums um, the greens are very important and every single thing that goes into a pot has a story and it has a story about um, your well-being so you you'd go to I, I went to the markets my aunties would get out of their house dresses and get into their saris because even to go across the road you had to be well turned out as my dad used to say and they would go and pick things and sometimes it was things I liked but sometimes they'd shop for the health of the household so I'd just sort of say Archie Archie meaning grandmother what's this and she wouldn't say you know it's a bunch of curry leaves she'd first say well this is really good for your digestion 
or you know this is heating and this is cooling you know a lot of the people in the family have got a cold so we're going to buy food for the health of the family so and that was just a natural part of preparing the meal a totally deep understanding which i think every sri lankan still has i think the the younger generations because they're they're like everybody else in the world moving too fast and you know lots of apartments and buying takeaway and stuff they're starting to lose it but the health of the household and the health of your body was far more important than what you actually than than the ingredient there were always the ingredients that you loved but there were the medicinal ingredients but the great thing with sri lankan food is even the medicinal stuff tasted good well it's like go to cola yes. right which is which is a green i think i think the English name is Asian Pennywort. Pennywort, that's America. right. And it's, I remember Googling and going, I don't know what this is, but we had it in a curry or something mm. and it was great. Or maybe it was a sambal latte, mm. who knows. And I Google, I'm like, man, yeah. that sounds like I need to eat more of that. Yes, <laughs> you know? Exactly. And those, it's, a, it's incredible how those people of that time and, you know, even still today understand that, mm -hmm. what's good for them. I, I, I think, you know, when I see turmeric tablets for sale in the middle of a supermarket or go to collar tablets or, you know, powdered cinnamon that you should be having on top and proper organic cinnamon, not cassia, that you should be having on your cereal in the morning to help reduce different medical ailments. These things were, were things that they knew about centuries ago. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, it's, it's interesting that some of those things now are, are catching up in the Western world as well. And we're understanding that the simplest things in the world, as long as you understand how to use them, can be good for you. And it's, so you've got this food that's really good for you, but it's also really tasty. Yeah. It's packed with spices, but it's not necessarily hot, as no. some people might imagine. Well, Sri Lankan spices, I mean, the, the, the so many spices in Sri Lanka are very famous, and I think cinnamon would probably be on the top. You ask a Mexican, you know, if you, if you think of the Silk Route and you try and join China and Mexico, there had to be something in the middle, and that was the spices from around the, you know, Indonesia mm -hmm. and Sri Lanka and places. And if you ask a Mexican what the best cinnamon is, they always say, Celon Canela. Really? Yes. So, you know, it's, it's gone that far. So the, the, the actual idea of spices, you're exactly right. Spicy doesn't mean hot. It means lots and lots of different spices. Uh, the combination of them, sometimes you start reading it as if it's the same recipe, but it's proportionate in the amount you use. But the main ingredient to me always shines through. And that's the difference, I think, with other cuisines and Sri Lankan cuisine is you taste the main ingredient, even though it's heavily spiced. And it's... it's not like, for instance, in some countries, if you have a vegetable curry, there'll be a mix of vegetables in mm. there. But, you know, in Sri Lanka, I remember we had beetroot curry, we yes. had cashew nut curry. It's yes. always this focus on this one ingredient with some flavour. But as you say, it's not these spices competing for attention. No. They're just lifting up. That's right. And that's what that's what I love about it. And, you know, like there are lots of very spicy chili, uh, chili dishes as well, which are wonderful, too. And they, you know, make you sweat and cool you down. It's <laughs> perfect. But so you can find the thing that will suit your mood uh, of course and and then you know we have this amazing uh buffalo curd which is the cooling system and mm -hmm. cucumber and there's just so many different aspects to the cuisine that it seems like i mean it's an ancient cuisine and some of these kings used to demand 36 different curries every day and <laughs> you know even at the temple of the tooth Every day they deliver 36 different varieties of vegetable curry as, as a, for the blessing and then it's shared with the people. So I think from a very early time, either through fear or through, through passion towards their, their beliefs, 
they became very creative with their food. And therefore, we now are able to enjoy an incredible array. I, I think it would take you a year to try everything. I mean, a jackfruit can be four different things. Wow. Without the seed. <laughs> <laughs> you start talking about the seed, we've got something else going on again. So that's the thing. It's just so creative. Okay, so you mentioned the Temple of the Tooth. So mm. let's start talking about some mm. of the places where you can go and then while you're there have the food. Yes. Temple of the Tooth is in Kandy. Yes. And this is this is one of the most sacred spots in Sri Lanka. For Buddhism, I think in worldwide it is probably the epicenter of Buddhism. Um, the relic of Lord Buddha's tooth is enshrined in a golden casket which is, you know, exposed every I'm not sure, every four years. Um, Eight million or so people visit that temple every year, um, but it, uh, sorry, let's just stop there a moment. Eight million, million people. How many people live in Sri Lanka? Uh, about the same as Australia, but it's the, the size of Tasmania. <laughs> okay, so that's a lot of people trekking off to the tooth. Uh, but it's also people from overseas. It's um, mm -hmm. Buddhists from around the world come to that that region and Anurajapura, of course, um, to offer their you know, blessings and everything else. So it's a it's an amazing building. It has a incredible history. It's right beside the old temple. Um, it's in a wonderful part of Sri Lanka and it's just worth visiting. It's one of those, you know, wonders of the world. Um, the 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 whole experience is quite humbling whether whether you have any kind of notions of wanting to be religious or you know in any way it's a beautiful peaceful wonderful place that i have a i have a lot of amazing feelings about too because my um my dad was a great traveler so we did road trips throughout sri lanka all the time the temple of the tooth in the back the back temple was somewhere where we always dad and i used to always come and sit so yeah, it means a lot. Special for you. I've got to say, the, the thing that amused me greatly is you go there and there's all these people and they're dressed in white, like, like pop, proper Buddhists, yeah. you know, because this is important. Yes. And so you can go there, I think it's three times a day you can yes. you can go to this thing, but you don't actually get to see the tooth most of the time. You walk past the past chamber the which has the tooth and they open the door. And so there's all these lovely people dressed in white, lining up politely, <laughs> and then there's musicians playing in their traditional outfits with white pants and red turbans or something. And then there's the monks in the saffron robe. And then you start progressing towards the room where the casket yeah. is. And suddenly everyone's just shoving it. Right, it's like a rock concert. It is like a rock concert, but it's a, but, but I, I'm you're lucky you're tall. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the the even the even the shove and the push is 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 quite passive. Oh, and, yeah. and you know people. You're not going to lose a tooth. Not at all. Not at all. Um, and and yeah, it's it's a it's a it's something you should do. It's something worthwhile doing. And you see people just sitting around. You know, amongst all of this, venerating the 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 casket and. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very nice spiritual experience and something that I think everyone should do. And there's actually a lot of, I think, what some people don't realise is there's a lot of very ancient and very sacred sites in Sri Lanka. It's got yes. a stack of UNESCO World Heritage listed yes, sites. Yes, it does. There's the cave temples at Dambulla, mm -hmm. which are 2,000 mm -hmm. years old. There's an ancient cities like... Anurajapura, Polonara. Sigiria. Sigiria. Now, let's talk about Sigiria for a moment. Because <laughs> yes. this is, I mean, you describe it, it sounds amazing. There's a huge rock column 200 metres that soars 200 metres above the surrounding jungle. On top of that, this king a thousand years ago builds his capital, palaces, gardens, waterfalls, swimming pools. Amazing. 
every time I try and go there, it rains. No, no. <laughs> you can't go there because there's to get there, you have to climb the steps yes. carved in the rock, which are quite steep, apparently. Yes. So tell me, if I ever actually got to the top of this dam, yeah. rock, what would I see? Look, you would see, as soon as you come up, you see the first swimming pool, and then you ascend to the very, the highest point, which is where the original temple was. And then as you, you skirt around the outside, there's a couple of secret spots that I know that people don't go to. So you come down the stairs, and then, you know, looking onto the western side is the main swimming pool, and then a second swimming pool, and the king's, uh, the king's, throne which he used to sit on and watch his 500 wives i'm um, not not the nicest guy killed his father to get up there you know like lo lots of lots of bad stuff he was another one that wanted different food all the time <laughs> or he'd kill all his cooks and get new ones so yeah, the man built a city on top of a rock he clearly he clearly had delusions of grandeur. he did but he took it from his father i don't think he had anything to do oh, with building build it, it you he see just took it right. so but um if you head straight, so if you head north, straight ahead, down the bottom, and turn to the left, when you get to the very edge, there's a little cave where the monks used to preach, priest, uh, uh, meditate, and no one ever goes there. And it's, if you go there next, there's a small pool, you skirt around the pool, down some stairs, and then right in the corner, there's this beautiful rock cave with a little fence, and you can sit there and you just look out over the whole forested area. So there's still secret spots there, even though millions of people travel there. Um, what you'll see and what you'll be in awe of is the actual, the, the feats of engineering that these guys went through to have running water, to have hydraulically assisted waterfalls and to be able to pump water to the top of this thing was an incredible feat We're of engineering. thousand years ago. Yes. Yeah? Yes. And, and every time I go there and every time I learn a little bit more, I just think, wow, these guys were pretty good. And to think that that was lost in the forest. Um, for hundreds of years and some British dis uh, explorer discovered, uh, you know, went through the forest and then realised, hey my goodness, this is, <laughs> this is a palace, a fortress. Pretty amazing. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And this of course is part of the history of Sri Lanka too. Yes. You've got the very ancient sort of civilizations, and then you've got the colonial cultures mm -hmm. that come in. British, it, it's the British who bring the tea in and establish Portuguese, them. Dutch, British. So the British brought coffee. Ah. And it failed. And then a, a gentleman called, a Scottish guy called James Taylor decided, planted the first, planted the first, uh, the first uh, tea bushes and they thrived. Um, and that's kind of where it was. And his direct descendant, um, a tailor, uh, was, survived only until a few years ago. And wow. uh, he used to be one of the guides through the tea plantations, a very interesting character. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of history there and the tea, trade as everyone in the world knows has done very well and the quality of the tea is second to none in my opinion of course <laughs> <laughs> and this is the wonderful thing that everyone sort of thinks about sri lanka jungles beaches yep. maybe the leopards in the national yep. park but then you can drive not very far and you're suddenly in a different climate with misty mornings yes. and, and you need a layer yes. and you're having beautiful tea yes it is stunning. Um, I mean, in that area, there are, there's the Knuckles Ranges, which not a lot of people go to, and it's just this wilderness, beautiful wilderness. Um, and then there's uh, World's End. World's End is literally this amazing three-kilometer walk that you go through the top top of the mountains, and you get to this this spot which ends at a cliff, and you just overlook the whole wow. the whole of the east coast, basically. Um, it, the, it's such a diverse place packed into this tiny little package. 
I mean, it's so small, really, if you think. And, and to have 23 million people in a small place the size of Tasmania, you'd think there'd be people everywhere, but people gravitate to the cities. So between cities, you're driving through rice paddies and, you know, uh, coconut plantations and rubber plantations. And it's just incredible. And regionally, regions are known for certain things. So if you go south to Umbalangoda, that's where all the carvers are. So all the devil masks, that's where they are. You go down south to Gaul and that's where the seafood and the toddy and the, you know, uh, buffalo curd comes from. And so as a kid sitting in our house in Colombo, you'd be told, oh, your uncles from the north are coming. And you think, yes, wild boar. <laughs> or, you know, auntie from, from Martele in the south is coming. You say, yes, uh, palm treacle, <laughs> buffalo curd and umbul tiel. So, so, you know, you would look forward to your friends and family visiting because they would always bring the, the, the ingredient from that area. And that's how varied and diverse the whole place is. It's incredible. So one part I haven't made it to yet is the north, mm. which for years was off limits due yes. to war, starting to happen now. Now I know what they're famous for in the north is crab curry. Yes, definitely. So tell me, tell me a bit about what what it's like up there and what the crab curry is like. Well, too. if you head towards, you head towards. I mean, if I if I would go north, I'd stay on the east coast, uh, west coast, and you'd go to Manar and then Wilpatu National Park. Wilpatu National Park is stunning, massive national park, just opened up again. Um, and the incredible thing about conflicts, you know, in different places, sometimes the flora and fauna really suffer. Take Vietnam as an example, everything was decimated and what wasn't was eaten because people were starving. But in Sri Lanka, I think the two warring parties weren't really that keen on killing animals. So the wildlife has flourished. Ah. It is absolute, there are leopards everywhere, more leopard sightings now than there have been forever. Wow. So Wilpatu National Park, I think if you're heading north now, is a must do thing. On the way there, you should stop probably Polonaru, which is the first ancient capital, and then head... And where, in the 1980s, Duran Duran filmed their music videos. Did they really? Yes. In Polonaru? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> there you go. And then, and then you, you've got a couple of choices. You either go directly across to, uh, to Trincomalee. Now, Trincomalee Harbour uh, held the, the, the fleet in the World War II, the Allied fleet, because it's... Very similar to Sydney Harbour. It's a massive, deep, fifth deepest harbour in the world. Has all the fingers like like it does in um, in uh, Sydney Harbour, but there's nothing. It's just vegetation yeah. all around. It's still a military base. It is a stunning harbour. It's like a very uh, valuable asset to the country. And then you head up north towards Elephant Pass, which is this tiny little neck which takes you to Jaffna. And Jaffna Town really is... Um, you go back in time a little bit. Uh, all the cars are Austins and Morrises. Oh, gorgeous. That's the taxis, which are really fun. Um, the food is, is much spicier. Um, and obviously, uh, the majority of the population are Tamils. Um, and they're Tamil people who'd come there long, long time ago. And so they have very close connections with Tamil Nadu in the south. Mm -hmm. Food's similar, but still very different. And I think, you know, you take Sri Lanka from top to bottom, the cuisine doesn't change too much. There's, you know, all the different ethnicities, but um, when you get to the north, you look for fiery 
hot food, lots of seafood, and they have this dish called Jaffna Kool. Just the name kills it all by itself. <laughs> it's Sri Lanka's bouillabaisse. So within the Jaffna Lagoon, which is you know waist deep for a kilometre and a half out, all these weeds, they set these special traps and they catch prawns and crabs and little fish and everything. And that goes into a, a pot and is cooked like a bouillabaisse, but thickened with palmyra flour, odial flour, which gives it this richness. So that's one of the great things. And then from the north, from Jaffna, there's a couple of islands. Um, and Delft Island is this island that was built by the Dutch as the trading port. So as they were escaping, they decided when the British were coming, they thought, oh, we'll set up an, an, another, another fort here so that we can get stuff away mm -hmm. without any trouble. And the whole place is built with coral. Like the whole, okay. the, as you come into the harbour, the harbour's all coral, everything's coral. Um, it's starting to sink a little bit, obviously, with our, with our problems with um, you know, climate change. But um, there is where I had the best crab curry. Um, and their crab curry, you know, I made it with this lovely lady and she ground all the spices lovingly, just like my grandmother did, and put everything together and step by step built this dish, which was just mouthwateringly good and stunning. So food is a big part of that area. Um, I think there's a lot of I know there's a lot of culture and a lot of history um, to show another side of Sri Lanka, which is really important because a lot of people forget that um, our first civilizations, I guess our first colonialists in, in Sri Lanka were the Indian kings. Because before that, there were the Aboriginal people of Sri Lanka called the Vaddas. Um, and they're, they're still around, but they're very much displaced like most first, first nation people. But the Indian kings came and they, they converted to Buddhism. Um, but some of the people in the North stayed as Hindus, um, but a lot of them also converted to Catholicism too. So there's this incredible melding, melting pot of, of flavors as well as religions. Um, and generally everyone gets on very well. And that's, that, I think as a kid growing up, we'd sit at a table and I remember there'd be, you know, the, the two Muslim sisters who lived across the road and then there'd be the, the, the burger boy and the, the Dutch, the, you know, the, the two Hindu younger brothers and then the guy I spoke Tamil to all the time, then us, we'd, we'd all get naked and go swimming in the, in the river and, you know, it was, a, it was a time where I'd love to go to, the, to those girls' house, the Muslim family's house because I loved the idea of sitting around one plate and everyone sharing off one plate or, you know, looking forward to the delights of the burger guys who, you know, it, it's just a, it, it was a, it was an amazing time of um, just, just acceptance of everyone and everyone had a story mm -hmm. and history's changed and things have happened over the years. But I think those, those years that I was there are, are really memorable and, and beautiful. And I, I think Sri Lanka is slowly coming back out of that. And, you know, we, we, we've got a way to go. But um, it's a stunning place to visit. Absolutely beautiful, varied, you know. If you want beach, you've got beach. If you want culture, you've got culture. It's all there. If you're too hot, just head north. <laughs> <laughs> when it, we're recording this at a time when Sri Lanka has just suffered a number yeah. of attacks. and But this is not new to the country. And then it went through a long civil mm. war and it's come out the other side. And of course, you do your trips that you lead with yeah. World Expeditions, and you're hoping to lead another one later this year. We'll go. We'll go in October. At the moment, it's a little bit. Um, it's a, the the travel warnings are, are a little bit hard. Um, the people on the ground are saying, "Look, it's safe to come," but it's probably uh, it'd be good to wait a month or so. You know, after July, say June, July, because um, we're 
we're just at a stage where the country's in a little bit of disarray and there's Excuse me, there's a lot of curfews, and curfews don't make it fun to be a tourist. <laughs> you, know, you can only spend so much time in a hotel room with someone before you want to get out in the evening. So, but it'll go. And yes, the country's really resilient, the people are resilient. And I have a, uh, uh, from what's coming out now, they're uniting. Because this was an outside attack. Even though the people, the perpetrators were locals, this was, this was something that was, you know, planned to n not just damage the country, but it was their plan to make the whole world sit up and look. And so, like everywhere else, like Paris, like London, like Auckland, it'll come back. And uh, it'll come back better and stronger. And people, people hopefully will be brought together even more. And that old Sri Lanka of unity and um, you know, uh, tolerance will be there. Because 10 years after the war, they've been amazing. The 10 years after the war have been amazing, not just for the Sinhalese people, not just for any one minority or majority, but for everyone. I think everyone's thrived. Businesses thrived. The, the tourism industry's thrived. So many expat Sri Lankans have come back, whether they be burger, Tamil, Sinhalese, whatever, to start businesses, to go back to their original ancestral homes and to start to show the beauty of this country. So we're, look, this is a hiccup. It's a terrible hiccup. Lots of people were killed. But I know, and I'm 100% determined to be part of you know the next step for Sri Lanka. Peter, you make me want to go back right now. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back too, and I will be very soon. Peter, thanks so much for coming along and talking to us about this. My pleasure. And thanks to you for listening. So if you'd like to catch up with, on more of what Peter's up to, you can go to his website. That's petercuravita.com. And for those who don't know how to spell it, K-U-R-U-V-I-T-A. That's K-U-R-U-V-I-T-A. And if you'd like to know more about what I'm up to or check out some more podcasts, you can visit my website, which is another bugger to spell, utiyunka.com. That's U-T-E-J-U-N-K-E-R. U-T-E-J-U-N-K-E-R. Thanks so much for listening and safe travels.